Today on Fish and Paul Bunyan Country, it's Lake of the Week Day, and we check in with Doug Kingsley over in the Park Rapids Area Fisheries Office. In 2005, we increased our walleye fingerling stockings to two pounds per literal acre as part of our accelerated walleye stocking program. Um, we didn't really find a lot of relationship between those higher stocking densities and higher abundance. But because we had that one successful year with fry stocking, we decided to try that now. So we're stocking with fry every other year, and we come in in the fall and electrofish to see if that was successful. And if we don't find very many fingerlings, we assume that the fry stocking didn't work very well, and then we'll stock fingerlings yet that fall. And we asked the aquatic biologist about wastewater treatment plants. The one thing I like about this question is it's very open and if you the first thing that i thought about is well what if it wasn't there mm. right you know we've heard about lake ecosystems that when they get too many houses around that are all in septic systems that's a bad situation for the lake because septic systems fail occasionally if people don't keep up with them or you know they're not perfect so the amount of nutrients that are going into that system can get too high so that was kind of one of the major things that I thought of was, what if it wasn't there and all of these systems were just, just all had septic systems? It wouldn't be possible. It's all coming up on FPBC. I got my fishing pool keys, tackle box in my hand. Gonna cast a few lines with my toes in the sand. Pulling in a big catch makes me feel like a man. But the wife, she just don't understand. I love walleye, perch, trout, and bass. And if you don't like fishing, you can kiss my four-stroke right in the back. Because the fish is all trumble at the thumb. Dr. Andrew Haves from Bemidji State University. He's back in the classroom as of this week. Difficult question. That's what we thrive on is here is getting (laughs) a tough one for him. And this one is, you know, uh, one that I, I think probably is is a factor in many, many, many water systems in the United States of America. Here in Bemidji, we've got a wastewater treatment plant on Irving, which, of course, is connected to Bemidji. Um, in general, what kind of effects do these types of things have on the lake? So uh, the one thing I like about this question is it's very open. And if you, the first thing that I thought about is, well, what if it wasn't there? Right. You know, we've heard about lake ecosystems that when they get too many houses around that are all in septic systems, that's a bad situation for the lake because septic systems fail occasionally if people don't keep up with them or, you know, they're not perfect. So the amount of nutrients that are going into that system can get too high. So that was kind of one of the major things that I thought of was what if it wasn't there and all of these systems were just, we just all had septic systems. It wouldn't be possible. Right. So in that sense, uh, cleaning the water that is running into the lake, it's a great system for Lake Bemidji to help protect it. I think is a really big positive. Now that is a point source of nutrients, right? Right. Um, they do a great job at removing the nutrients. As far as I know, uh, I've had students look at the invertebrate populations above and below as part of their capstone projects, and we couldn't find any changes in the system below their inputs. So uh, everything seems great. Now, again, I'm just going to 
for caveat, I'm not a wastewater treatment expert at all. Yeah. Right? Um, we have some great professors on campus like Dr. Carl Isaacson that would be a great point of contact for this question. But um, so the nutrient input is definitely have, has a potential to influence the system. And I think one thing to think about that I heard about from Leech Lake is that water clarity is actually going up, right? So you can see further in Leech. And uh, since the Clean Water Act, right, we've gotten very good at taking nutrients out of the system. And it's almost to the point in some systems that it could be ha- having a negative influence on the growth rates of walleye. Right? Mm. They don't like clear water that much. Right. And less nutrients into a system, growth rates should slow. It's just the production of that system is lower. Okay. So uh, that's an interesting thing to think about that in the future. If you ever want it, I don't know if this would even be feasible or not, but if you wanted to manage the nutrient loading into Lake Bemidji, we have a direct point where we can do that. Right oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, you could say add a little bit more, quit cleaning it as good as you are. <laughs> it's a really okay. interesting thing to think about. Probably gonna, people are going to be like, what the heck is he talking about there? <laughs> but uh, if you like walleye growth, mm-hmm. it, it could be that point. And you think about zebra mussels getting into Lake Bemidji. I was now. just going to ask that. Is that right? uh, maybe a counterbalance? It could. Um, I don't know if that it's would be legal. Yeah, it's definitely mm-hmm. – that's a great world I live in, right? I can think about <laughs> things like that. But uh, yeah. Now, I, there, it is a concentration of, I guess, influence or into the lake. And I know that the system is really good at regulating nitrogen, phosphorus, things like that that are going in. I'm not so sure about things like prescription drugs and estrogen and all other things like that. So that's something that is definitely a hot topic in the science world, aquatic sciences right now is what type of influences those other types of compounds are having on the aquatic ecosystem. That's an area that has been studied much, much less than nutrient loading. And that is not actually the fault of the wastewater treatment system. That is the fault of humans who throw stuff like that down their toilets. We could definitely do better. Yeah. In fact, did I not hear, I think it was in the Thames River in England or a river in London, there was so much like uh, um, um, birth control pills that found its way in the river that male fish were turning into females. Right. Um, when I was out in West Virginia doing my PhD, a lot of that work was being done on those East Coast rivers as well. Uh, smallmouth bass in particular where they were finding the female egg cells in the male testes. And the scientists were attributing that to uh, those other compounds that we're talking about. Wow. Yeah. So once those studies came out, that was like the science world really picked up on it because that's uh, that opens people's eyes when you start hearing things like that. So um, it's definitely an area where we should do more research, and it's one area of concern. But it's really hard to get those out of the right as far as I know. It's, so the best thing is not to put them in to begin with, for as best we can. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Dr. Andrew Haves talking about the wastewater treatment system and uh, giving it a thumbs up as being uh, pretty – I mean, it's not having a negative impact. Well, I'm definitely glad it's there. That's for sure. <laughs> well, you know, that's a good point. Right. Well, we, yeah, we need Think it. Think of the alternative. Right, right, right. So it's very cool. All right, Andrew, thanks for your time today. Thank you. Still to come, we check in with Doug Kingsley and find out all about the Lake of the Week. Someday, I won't go fishing. Of course, I'll be dead. 
This is Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. This is Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Hey, welcome back to the show. Just want to get you caught up with some events that are coming up this fall. Several tournaments are coming your way. Uh, first up, of course, next week at September 6th, 7th, and 8th, the 52nd Annual Frank Schneider Jr. Memorial Muskie Tournament. We had that on the show yesterday. You can uh, always check back in the archives and take a listen if you want all the details on that. But big prizes and lots of people on a bunch of different lakes. We'll talk again uh, about that tournament next week on the show. But that's the first one coming up. Then... The first ever Destination Outdoors Blue Line Walleye Tournament. That's uh, going to be headquartered at Rutgers Birchmont Lodge, Saturday, September 28th. It's $400 per boat, 75 boat maximum, two-person team. First prize, $10,000. And play the national anthem at 6.50 in the morning. Boats will start going out at 7 a.m. Weigh-in will begin at 3. I got a rules meeting set for Friday night at Rutgers, dinner for the team, some drink specials, some games, some music. And then uh, you got all kinds of supplies for kids the next day to come and do some fishing at Rutgers. And uh, wow, it's going to be a big event. Probably going to take some big bags to win that tournament uh, as the fall fishing bite will definitely be on. Uh, we'll have a lot more details as we get closer to that event as well. But you can go to Destination Outdoors website and get registered right now or stop in the Destination Outdoors on Paul Bunyan Drive Northwest and uh, get registered right on site at the store as well. So check that out. It's a first-time event. And I've heard a lot of people and a lot of buzz on that one, so I think that's going to fill up no problem. And then one of the final walleye tournaments of the year is the 18th annual Cystic Fibrosis Walleye Classic and Benefit. That runs uh, the first weekend in October. It is headquartered at Stony Point Resort on Cass Lake. Friday night, as always, at the Bemidji Eagles Club. They'll have their big benefit dinner. That's $30 per person, and you can get your tickets from Steve and or Julie Ballou. You can get details by emailing them at Ballou, B-A-L-L-O-U, at paulbunyan.net. They've got a website. You can get registered for the event as well. It's limited to 70 votes. It's going to fill up fast no question cystic fibrosis walleyeclassic.com october 5th for the tournament itself the benefit dinner at the eagles on october 4th and it's headquartered at stony point resort cast lake is the lake you can fish on and that's been going on 18 years now so those are some of the fishing events coming up and we will have all kinds of details on fishing paul bunyan country and in a couple of weeks paul bunyan country outdoors as we shift to our weekly program but we'll keep you updated on all those events certainly right here Up next, it's Lake of the Weekday. There are three seasons in Minnesota. Fishing, ice fishing, and hell on earth. This is Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Lake of the Weekday, Lake of the Weekday, Lake of the Weekday, holy cow. It's Lake of the Weekday, and today we are checking in with the Area fishery Supervisor out of the Park Rapids office, Doug Kingsley. Hey, Doug, as always, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Kevin. It's always a pleasure. Well, we're talking Potato Lake today, and uh, I'm not going to get into why it's named Potato Lake. That's another story for another day. But uh, one thing we do know is it's an outstanding lake. I was just checking the numbers from 2016, and uh, really a lot of healthy numbers of a lot of different fish, including uh, a great number of walleyes. It's uh, one of the largest of our lakes here in the Park Rapids area. I mean, it's not huge, but it's big for us. Uh, it's a, about 2,100 acres. Um, 
and like you said, it has a lot of different species in it. It's, it's well known as a multi-species lake. I was taking a look at the uh, numbers, and uh, uh, well, the the electrofishing were big numbers, but the walleyes were averaging four per gillnet, good solid number. What I really like is uh, looking at a two pound average. That's a that's a healthy walleye. Yeah, um, and and most of the walleyes that are in there are are probably coming from our stocking program, and we've gone through some changes in our walleye stocking in Potato Lake. Um, Generally, we had been stocking walleye fingerlings every other year in odd-numbered years through 2003. Now, thrown in there, we did have one stocking of fry that looked like it did fairly well. In 2005, we increased our walleye fingerling stockings to two pounds per literal acre as part of our accelerated walleye stocking program. Um we didn't really find a lot of relationship between those higher stocking densities and higher abundance. But because we had that one successful year with fry stocking, we decided to try that now. So we're stocking with fry every other year, and we come in in the fall and electrofish to see if that was successful. And if we don't find very many fingerlings, we assume that the fry stocking didn't work very well. And then we'll stock fingerlings yet that fall. So that's kind of where we're at right now. And we've done that a couple times now in 2015, 2017. Looks like it was really good. We had really high fall electrofishing catch rates. So we'll do that one more time in 2019 and then make a decision about what to do with future stockings. Okay. see a lot of contour lines on that lake. Uh, what, what, What does that necessarily mean for walleye? Oh, it's a lot of good structure, yeah. um, a lot of good places to fish throughout the lake. And, uh, again, looks to be a very healthy lake. Walleye numbers are solid. The bass numbers are really strong, both for smallmouth and largemouth. Yeah, Potato is probably our best smallmouth lake in the Park Rapids area. But like you mentioned, it has both species, both largemouth and smallmouth. Good abundance and, and good sizes of both. In the 2016 sample, we had largemouth up to 20 inches, and we had most of the smallmouth were maybe in the 12 to 18 inch size range, but we did see them over over 19 inches. Okay, and I and uh, uh, good northern numbers too. And the one thing I noted uh, noticed was the average poundage over two, so that's not bad. Well, it, it's. Not the best. Uh, our abundance has been increasing mm. since about 1978, and it, it's higher than we would like to see. And when that happens, uh, typically they're a little smaller size because right. they, they, there's too many of them competing for the amount of forage that's out there so they don't grow as fast or get as large as we'd like. So it's one of those lakes that might benefit from our new statewide northern pike regulations where you can have a bag limit of 10. Um, you have to throw back anything between 22 and 26 inches, and you can only have two over 26 inches. That'll help keep some of those medium and, and little larger size pike in the lake to help control those smaller ones. Well, it's just, I've seen so many lakes where the average weight of a, a northern is, is even less than two pounds, and that's and that's where you really need to need to see some changes. But at least, you, you know, you, you, we, we think this is going to help move things in the right direction. And certainly this is a lake that, that could, uh, based on, you know, its 
its natural capabilities be a really strong northern lake. Yeah, you bet. Um, and like you say, it's it's not as bad as some of our lakes, but we're hoping we can maybe improve on that. Okay. Taking a look at the bluegill numbers, uh, you know, not not a lot of times you see uh, you know see huge numbers of bluegills. It looks like you got uh, uh, not necessarily a huge amount, but uh, do you have good good sizes of bluegills in that lake? Yeah, bluegill abundance is what I would consider kind of moderate compared to other lakes like Potato. But the sizes are pretty good. Um, they were really well distributed. Most of them are running probably, we're running about six and a half to seven and a half inches, but we saw them over nine inches too. So okay. good good assortment. So basically, Potato is just one of those great lakes where there's a good, solid, healthy fish population of pretty much everything you want to catch. You bet. And it's a large enough lake that you can, you know, find room to, to go around and try some different spots, try some different structure, and, and hopefully find those fish. No no secret either. I'm, getting, I'm guessing it gets plenty of, of, of uh, pressure out there. Yeah, it's pretty well used. Um, potatoes pretty heavily developed. Um, it's in the upper percentage of, of the lakes in our management area as far as number of houses or cabins per shoreline mile. So, and there are two resorts on the lake. Those are located kind of on the west side of the lake. And then there's an RV and temp ground, campground on the east side of the lake. Okay. Potato is kind of shaped like a T. So there's an east and a west arm and then a south arm. And uh, like I mentioned, uh, the resorts are on the west side, uh, the campground on the east side. Okay. And uh, how do we get on the water? Well, from Bemidji, you want to come down Highway 71. You go past where 200 turns off by Itasca State Park, and you need to go another 13 miles. You turn left on Hubbard County Road 40. There's two accesses on, on Potato Lake, and they're both off County Road 40. The first one, once you turn on 40 off 71, you go about a mile and a quarter, turn right at Hummingbird Drive, and there's a county access right there that's right near the outlet or the inlet of the lake from Eagle Lake. Or you can continue on County Road 40 for another couple miles and turn right on Hakon Drive. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. <laughs> it's H-A-A-K-O-N. Okay. Um, take a right there, and you just go down that, that road to the state-owned public access at the end of the drive. Okay, and you noted uh, it, uh, it's got inlets and outlets. Uh, do, can you go from one lake to the other? You can go upstream into Eagle Lake, yep. Okay, okay. And Eagle Lake's not a bad fishing lake either. No, no, quite good. And if you're really adventurous from there, you could go a little further upstream to Island Lake. Oh, okay, okay. Wow, uh, and is it, yeah, so is that the Fishhook River that's running through it? It is, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, and, and of course, again, Island Lake, not a bad lake either. True. Yeah, you, that that whole fishhook chain uh, is really a, a, a nice uh, group of lakes. Uh, you got a couple of those. You got the fishhook chain, and of course, you got the crowing chain in the Park Rapids area. Um, you guys are really spoiled. And then we have the man trap and Beltane chain. Yeah, <laughs> you guys are like really spoiled over there. <laughs> you, uh, <laughs> we like it that way. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure you do. All right, so any concerns about Potato Lake right now? No, uh, Potato. Actually, we've been doing pretty good in Hubbard County. We have a pretty aggressive uh, program for 
aquatic invasive species, and we only have a couple lakes that have have invasives in them. Potato Lake is not one of those. Okay, and, and you know, considering uh, the the pressure it gets, I mean, that's obviously something you want to watch closely because there's a lot of boats that get on that uh, on that lake. Yep, anglers really need to be diligent and do a good job of uh, cleaning their boat uh, before or after they launch. All right, and so far so good, uh, by and large, in, in, in your neck of the woods, that's for sure. Yep. Okay, um, and fish populations seem to be in the healthy range, nothing you're concerned about there? In potato, yeah. everything looks good. All right. Doug Kingsley is the area supervisor out of the Park Rapids Area Fisheries Office talking about our Lake of the Week. It is a gem in the Park Rapids Area Potato Lake. And, Doug, as always, we appreciate your time today. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Kim.